Support for the Laser Time Network is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, so join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Better yet, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME, one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with your code LASERTIME. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. Jim Henson's final TV series, the one French movie every American girl must own, and the fifth time's a charm with the Fast Kids, this week on 302010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine. Each week, taking you through uh, a casual history of pop culture across three decades. We'll be talking this week about April 23rd through the 29th across three decades. That means 1991. 2001 and 2011 we'll be telling you about all the dope movies tv music and so much more probably at some point podcasts we'll be talking about a whole lot more as we move into 2011 but hi i'm one of your hosts chris antisa and who else is with me i'm a money loser and a car crash that means i'm every movie this week diana goodman (laughs) it's me sarah and oh boy this week is going to be a fun one i think a bunch of underrated movies I don't hear people talking about much anymore an underrated television series that just hit streaming flat platforms after being unavailable for a while oh there's so much fun things to talk about in the land of 30 2010 so sit back as we take you on a little journey across three decades once again the show is brought to you mostly by patreon.com slash laser time supporting this show and everything on the laser time network our executive producer this week is Steve Rowland and many other fine people who give us five dollars or more at uh, the patreon.com slash laser time if you can spare it after tax season we would very much appreciate it we were almost entirely listener funded and we can't thank you guys enough for bringing us into our sixth season of 302010 who who's ready to take this journey with us across three decades april 23rd to the 29th that is the week we are recording and we are opening our first portal into 1991 and heading on in and oh boy there's a, a common theme of funneled <laughs> funneled weather disasters uh, disasters. I feel like disaster is the theme of the entire episode because yeah. we have yes. some. We have a whole bunch of natural disasters. We have a whole bunch of box office yeah. disasters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And this one, I yeah, I don't remember because I would have been uh, ten or eleven. A cyclone strikes the Chittagong. Am I saying that right? District in Bangladesh, uh, killing a hundred and thirty-nine thousand people and leaving ten million homeless. Still the tenth worst natural disaster of the century. Holy yeah. wow. God! Is it was this just a populous yeah. area? Area or I guess um yes those those death yeah, that's those, a, big part of it. a lot of those death tolls are like uh, Jesus people starving and being dehydrated yeah. afterwards. Like oh it's so, yeah. It's so well, awful I, to think I about. saw it was the tenth worst natural disaster, and I was like, oh my god. I mean, how how much worse can it? be natural disasters and it's like okay 1931 there was flooding in china the flooding killed a couple hundred thousand people and then the starvation and then the cholera and then the displacement and then the violence it's like oh yeah that's like four million people right there wow. bangladesh though 139 thousand people just from a cyclone a cyclone is just a hurricane right yeah 
That's crazy. And life is like one of those Oof. every once in a while. It is not the right decade for that kind of nonsense. Horrible. I, I yeah, I, I, this is not ringing a bell for me, and I feel terrible about it. Whew. Maybe I can redeem myself as we talk about the movies of 1991, April 23rd to the 29th. We got Talent for the Game by uh, Edward James Olmos and Lorraine Bracco. And I would like to think this is a street basketball movie starring both of them as a team of doubles. <laughs> that would be great. He, nah, never, he never passes movie. me the ball. It just no matter what I do, I'm always open. And <laughs> yeah, I like that. I yeah, I'm imagining her in heels and dressed for the '60s. Oh, <laughs> she played straight oh, ball. I'm imagining her in that uh, commercial for uh, high heel shoes where they play basketball oh. from this time period. Oh, okay. Looks like a pantyhose. Yes. Looks like a pump. Feels like a sneaker. That's right. Yes. Such a bull hog. Okay. And uh, we also have coming out this <laughs> Pass week. Pass the rock. <laughs> no, it's talent for the game is a, uh, it's a baseball movie. He's a baseball scout and he finds a promising uh, guy and tries to get him on the angels. And it, uh, yeah, that's fine. Baseball. Surprised I never heard of it. My dad loved baseball. And I think I had to watch Stand and Deliver once a week. This would have been right up his alley. <laughs> also out this week, uh, A Kiss Before Dying, a movie I feel like I've heard about a ton, but I've never had an opportunity to see it, including doing a podcast about watching movies. Um, James Russo, Diane Ladd, Max von Sydow, Sean Young, and Matt Dillon star in that one. Yeah, so this is a remake that's also an adaptation of a book, and it's, I mean, it's a thriller because Matt Dillon is basically like a social climber who will murder his way up. So it's kind of like talented Mr. Ripley if he mm. wasn't as good at hiding in plain sight. And Sean Young's twin sister is murdered, but murdered. it looks like a suicide. She's going to find out what happened. And eh, I, the original is better. And yeah, it's just sort of meh. Okay. It didn't quite hold together as well as it could and like it had been in development hell for a while and but we get to see matt Dillon again this week so that's okay um, i don't want to talk about it because i want to talk about the next movie and why is this so beloved i I don't know i love i'll I'll tell you why oh contraire why aren't more people talking about this movie i think it's fantastic i think it's a fantastic movie and and, uh, here i'll tell you why and to Uh bring you in uh this is a movie starring denholm elliott Louis Gossett Jr., George Perez, Keith Coogan, Will Wheaton treated treat like the biggest star in the universe who doesn't have time to be in this movie, so he's killed in it. And then the wonderful, <laughs> it's my favorite, it's my second favorite starring role of Sean Astin with a ragtag group of kids. Ladies mm. and gentlemen, toy soldiers. Terrorists just took over their school. Uncle! The students have no weapons. Are you with me or not? Of course we're with you, man. And no way out. Look at everybody killed. It's too late to back out now. The only chance they've got. We're really gonna do this? You bet. Is each other. <laughs> Toy Soldiers. Rated R. R. That was, that was an exciting part for me. I recorded this off of a free preview of like HBO or Showtime. Yeah, this it's... is one I feel like ran on HBO a jillion thousand times. And I thought, oh, well, maybe it's because it was PG-13 and so they could run it during the day and then find out, wait, it was R? I, I have For a f- swearing, I, I guess? I have a, a little f- bit of murder? It wasn't uh, incredibly successful. And no. it didn't have, unlike other movies like it, it didn't have a shot at home video. So it was probably very easy for pay cable to renew over and over again. And also, uh, my theory for why I like this a lot is a it's the big one. I'll 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 unveil first. I saw this before Die Hard. When I Uh when I saw Die Hard in my teens, I'm like, 
Yeah, I saw Toys. I I get it. I saw Toy Soldiers. They do almost all the same thing. And one, it stars like kids. They're not. Mm-hmm. They weren't quite my age, but like that's a really cool concept. It is both a hard R with like a lot of like a pretty decent body count as this boys preparatory school is taken over by Colombian terrorists. Release my father, or I will kill. I hope he he puts bombs around the whole building and keeps all the students hostage. And I think. Most of the teachers are outside, so the kids are kind of left alone, feral, and guarded by armed terrorists. Yeah, it's there's real danger in it. There's real terror, and it is uh, not anywhere near as Republican and bloodthirsty as something like Red Dawn. Yes. And, and <laughs> yeah. No, this movie is rad. And I, I watched it. <laughs> it this weekend with Sam because Sam's seen it a bunch of times. And oh, in yeah. fact, I think you watched it a lot with him, Antista, yeah. because and I don't know. I don't think you were the one that recorded it. I think Sam's brother did because we had a whole conversation yeah. about Sam's brother recorded it off of HBO and then labeled it. Two sugers, <laughs> all spelled wrong, and so now that's what we call it. But anyway, this movie is awesome. Like I was so happily surprised by it. Honestly, like the kid acting is great. Even Shut Up Wesley was good in it, and like Sean Astin is just should have way more credit than he gets. Want, like as a are, child actor, you want to talk, a great child actor in him? He's like just a tiny bit pudgy or like a stout and the way he runs i i'm in love with on the tom cruise level it i thought it was great and why have so many people wasted their time trying to get me to watch the goonies when this should be one of the biggest like kid classics of the era honestly like hell yeah no one people should talk should talk about toy soldiers nobody is saying goonies aren't good enough and i interrupted you just to make that joke for no one (laughs) and yeah i love that i mean it's it takes a silly premise and it treats it seriously but also not Mm -hmm. it's it strikes this really weird balance of this is really extreme and kind of goofy so but but we're committed to this god damn it you know like like and and i love that like you see them like making plans and coming up with different ways to like get messages to the outside of what's going on get messages back from the outside in that you know try to figure out how do we like stop the bomb that this guy has set up you know if anyone goes missing he's going to kill everybody how mm-hmm. how do we disrupt this whole system and and save our lives and all that and some of that is just like really fun but also like really tense like yeah it's so, it's so oh God, goofy yes. i don't know how how did they get the tone right where it's like oh no that guy's going to die but also you're like yeah but i mean come on there, there's a <laughs> there's a jack there's a jacked just... character standing around in his bo- his his briefs for so long it should be <laughs> hilarious but yeah. said it like it feels like if uh, Harry Potter Seven Part Two had no budget and went straight to video, that's what this is. Kids <laughs> taking back the school from evil forces. I just think it does such a good job of portraying boys at that age in that situation. Like it, it does not strike a wrong note to me. And I mean, I don't know. I'm not a boy in, in 1991 at a boarding school, but I, I mean, I will... it felt real. Like I, the I emotions will... felt real. The reactions felt real. They did such a good job with this. I would, I would imagine those boys would have been drastically worse pieces of shit than depicted in the movie (laughs) as preparatory school kids. Even though some of them come from the wrong side of the track and only work there because the dad's a janitor or something like that. Uh, Well, that was a cool aspect of the story is that this is a 
boarding school for boys that are all like super well connected, like mm-hmm. kids of like uh, politicians and mob bosses and like all kinds of like, right. you know, muckety mucks, but also kind of a school for like troubled kids too. Like these are all the boys that got kicked out of other boarding schools. They mm-hmm. kind of make a point of that. And Sean Aston is like the leader of them. He's like the most mischievous, but he's not treated like he has enough heart that he's not treated like a, a, a bad kid. All together. He's, he's about just to be expelled. Like a thorn in, but he's like more. I mean, oh, also, why don't we talk more about Lewis Gossett Jr.? <laughs> he is so awesome in this. Like, I just kind of fell in love with his like portrayal of like a kind headmaster yeah. guy or dean. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Father to so dozens. much of his job is just sort of pacing around next to cops and going like, "We they need more time." Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's like well, a nothing role. He he is sort of thrown out of the movie very early on by being on the outside of the the uh, hostage area. But he plays an important role because he does convince the people to trust that Sean Astin is a smart kid and he knows what he's doing. Like he knew how to he make is like pivotal to that. Wash. He- <laughs> yeah, which is pretty smart. I, but I, I, I love it too because like it sets up such a good idea that like these terrorists come in and take over this boarding school and think they're going to hold these kids hostage when in reality like any kid that age is going to know that school way better than these terrorists ever could know. They're going to know mm. every tunnel, every way to like get up into the air ducts and all this stuff. Like, of course, if you're a troublemaker, teenage boy, you will have all that mapped out already. And so it was like <laughs> such a good like uh, part of the story that these are like kind of troublemaker kids who have already tested the limits of the school. And so therefore know the best way to get through the situation mm-hmm. and friendship. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Friendship. It was really emotional. Like at the end, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just had a great time with this movie so much. I, <laughs> I, highly recommend I, I can't it. recommend it. Highly enough. Recommend. It's, it's, yeah, a, it's a childhood yeah. favorite that I know it holds up incredibly well. Mm-hmm. I watch it about yeah. once a year. Mm-hmm. I, I love Toy Soldiers. It and, holds up so well. And yep. uh, underrated. It has time. maybe the most badass Will Wheaton moment ever. I mean, yeah. pulling that yeah. gun on Kiefer Sutherland and Stand By Me is pretty good, but he doesn't fire it. Yeah, this one this then time, unleashes an automatic weapon with the righteous Rick Baker earring. It is. It's oh, so the funny. earring is <laughs> chef's kiss. <laughs> I love this yeah. movie. Uh, yeah, it's th- great. This movie, I remember being too young to get, and I hated it very much. Mm. And it, it remained a punchline Excellent. for a long time. I will say, I Googled this movie. And it comes up after Sylvester Stallone, Rocky. Sylvester Stallone, nominated for Rocky Balboa. It is, it is Tim Curry, Marissa Tomei, uh, Vincent Spano, Peter Riegert, Sylvester Stallone, and number one at the box office this week, the movie Oscar, not the award. But every, every nomination he's lost mm. overshadows this movie entirely, even though it's number one at the box office this week. Oscar, starring Sylvester Stallone. It's the biggest day of Snaps Provolone's life. I've got till noon to look like a banker. And everything is going wrong. His daughter has a surprise. Did he tell you I was pregnant? His other daughter is a surprise. What other one? You got two daughters? His wife is upset. You had a child with the new maid? The cops are closing in. The help is moving out. I quit! And now Snaps is falling apart. Zip it. Sylvester Stallone. Oscar. Rated PG. This movie Ooh. blows. Uh, <laughs> I have strange and mixed feelings about this. I, now, I always heard this was an absolute disaster. And yeah. it's amazing that this week, in two decades, we have Sylvester Stallone in the number one movie that both ended up losing money. 
I was shocked that like reviewers didn't hate this, especially the older ones. Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up because it is a send up of all those fast talking screwball comedies of whatever decade, yeah. what, whatever movie they were watching in Dolomite and didn't like. Um, that, that's what <laughs> Oscar page. is. There's no brothers no, in it either. <laughs> no, it's a it's a it's a French farce. It's yeah. literally based on a stage play. It's a French farce. So it's like a noises off, slamming doors, accidentally picking up the wrong bag, you know, telling someone that so-and-so's in the room and they actually think it's someone else. And then, oh, we're so surprised. So I was not expecting that. I, I was expecting, oh, Sylvester Stallone in a comedy. This has never gone very well. And it is broad as Fuck. Does Peter Riegert actually seriously say why I oughta? <laughs> God damn yeah, right mugs. he does. But it kind of makes me feel bad. Like overall, I did not think it was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of supporting players are good in it. Marissa Tomei was a lot of fun. Tim Curry, always. Shout out. And Sylvester Stallone was better than I expected at light comedy. Like I think he could do light comedy, but this was just it goes on forever mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. it's exhausting how mm-hmm. many times can people pick up the wrong bag oh <laughs> oh no he thinks he's picking up the bag full of money but it turns mm-hmm. out it's the maid's underwear wah, wah. Mm-hmm. and there's so many characters running around that end up doing nothing and most of the jokes are really flat and it's like okay this is slightly better than i expected but i also i don't ever want to watch this again <laughs> watching this it felt like a high school play like the, <laughs> the jokes were so broad it's like what you would expect from a high school play where nothing can offend anyone the accents are parodies oh. of old-timey gangster <laughs> accents yeah so look i will always have a, a soft spot in my heart for sylvester stallone i always really like him and i have always admired him because sam and i talk about this all the time he is like a classically trained actor mm-hmm. who like really has been held back a lot by his facial deformity, which was caused at birth when forceps were used during his birth. So it caused mm-hmm. nerve damage in his face, which causes him to kind of, you know, have that sort of manner of speaking that he has. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, that's always and like, he's, and he's a film, I always give him credit because he, he's a filmmaker he, during this yeah, period. He was like yes. a bankable movie star and Al Pacino dropped out of this role. And it's like, you know, for a little extra, we can get Sylvester Stallone alone and guarantee this goes through the roof and and why wouldn't they but that became part of the problem because people who want to see a sylvester stallone movie are not going to want to want to see this kind of wacky smacky farce and people who like wacky smacky farce are going to be like well this is a sylvester stallone movie but yeah so this isn't like a sylvester stallone baby i I, for for whatever reason i thought like he was like super okay no it was a a john landis thing he'd been pushing to do for a long time to send up one of his old timey favorite genres or some shit. And it just, it, it seemed like the right idea. And I guess for the first week it was, it looked like it made money, like $10 million off of a $20 million budget. I mean, whatever. Nope. That's, no, nope. no, no. Oh, this ends up losing million. money. Oh, it's okay. it's going to be number one at the box office this week and next week, huh. but wow. there's just not a lot else going on. April's sort of a weird month where it's not quite summer yet. So sometimes people hold back on their stuff. And so you get weird stuff like toy soldiers it's like they know that's not going to be a blockbuster and it wasn't but it might find its audience mm-hmm. and they thought oh there's no competition let's put out this movie and <sighs> i would say oh they're trying but i kind of feel like they're not mm-hmm. but because it, it's so broad and mm-hmm. obviously i love old-timey comedies right. but 
oh god i was so i seriously like 20 minutes in i was like stop the movie how much more is this mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god yeah because it's I... so frantically paced like even the marx brothers have a musical number so you can catch your breath you bastards well it's frantic and slow at the same time like mm-hmm. i don't yeah. know how you do that <laughs> but it, it, it's like a time warp that you get yeah. into yeah uh, like the plot doesn't was move forward t- tim curry but um <laughs> but, yeah it just i don't know it's such a swing and a miss and it's kind of too bad i love a french farce too because i love yep. fraser which does a lot of that <laughs> come on that ski chalet episode is mwah, mwah. one of the best farces i've ever seen it's so perfect but i also have to say that this was one of the movie posters that was up in my local yes. movie rental place for a very long time to the point where i mean at this point i think i'm five going on six i'm pretty sure i thought that sylvester stallone's name was oscar for a really <laughs> long time Is, was it the one where he's tugging at his tie or hanging off a clock safety last dial uh, hanging off a clock mm. i think the one i'm thinking of is like it's just him so i think it must yeah. be him just like holding on to his tie I think and i always thought he was like very debonair and handsome looking Love especially as a dumb. child i was like look at this fancy man that named oscar yeah that's that's what the that's what the focus group said kids get horny over the great taste of sylvester stallone they love him they love him and you can stream this on cinemax go if you're one of the few people still paying for that uh streaming service mm. And, I say skip yeah, it. I was like, I was like, no, yeah, I'm not paying it's for a this skip this it. It's, but it's one of those where it's like, well, I thought this was going to be like a, you know, a one star out of ten, and it was like a two and a half. So I'm, yeah. that's oh, 150 times better than I thought. That still makes it not good. I know, I know. And for for <laughs> you know, that's the podcaster's plight. If it's uh man, it's not really bad or really good. It can't recommend it, but you can't slander it. Like why even bring it up? Why even yeah. bring it up? No, I, I know. But we, we I mean, must. I haven't. There aren't a lot of movies like it. Yeah, uh, I'll give it that. No one mm-hmm. makes these kind of movies anymore. It was not Peter Bogdanovich, and <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, there you go. Okay, watch What's Up Doc instead of this, please. I beg you. And anyway. uh, yeah, moving to television of 1991, April 23rd through the 29th. Excuse me, who is David Icky? Ike? Ike. Ike. David. It's the 30th anniversary of David Ike's meltdown on television. What? So. British sportscaster David Icke uh, holds a press conference because he kind of loses it while calling a match. And then he holds a press conference to tell everyone and the world is going to end in 1997 and Britain is going to be devastated by earthquakes. And everyone's like, okay. And then he goes on a very famous interview show, Wogan, and he repeats this. Also, he's the son of God. Also, he might be Jesus. Whoa. And everyone thinks it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. No, no, no. that's like genuinely... What we, now that I've had to deal with something like that, like that's genuinely scary when someone you know starts having yes. those kind of yeah. delusion levels of delusion. And since then, the last thirty years, he spent being a big conspiracy guy about UFOs and no. how all the most famous people in the world are actually lizard people. Mm. And uh, a lot of he says, "Oh no, I'm not talking about Jews when I talk about lizard people." Except he's using like all of the same anti-Semitic cliches that are always used about Jews. Just they're lizard people, I guess. Yeah. Uh, No, he's written a lot of books. And anytime he goes somewhere to speak, there's going to be a protest because uh, he believes really stupid shit and somehow still makes money on it after this little breakdown. Wow. mm. 
I do love a good public breakdown, though. Oh, my goodness. That one doesn't sound as fun to celebrate, but I don't know if anything on television is going to be more interesting than that, but uh, Murder, She Wrote this week. It is weird to watch because I watched a little bit of it, and this guy, like, his conviction is there. Like, he is very clear Mm. that God has told him these things, and he really believes it. And everyone's, like, laughing at him. Like, hmm. Trying to we think. maybe not put him on television. It was, it was just this week where Jim Caviezel like did an interview and like went full QAnon. Like, but mm-hmm. it was that was sort of expected. <laughs> it wasn't totally I mean, unexpected. Um, yeah. The guy has been starring in mostly Mormon movies for the last couple of years. Uh, but never mind. Murder she wrote has an episode this week. Murder, plain and simple. I just wanted to highlight this one because wherever she goes, somebody dies. Even when she goes to Amish country. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Pitchfork? Was it a pitchfork? Someone died on a pitchfork. Let's assume. That's good. <laughs> and they got stuffed in a butter churn? Yeah. <laughs> they got churned to death. Um, and, and They were, I don't know, smothered with a really nice quilt. They couldn't mm-hmm. find the body because all these houses popped up overnight. Uh, for, <laughs> for, uh, also, the 28th, Switched at Birth, the miniseries with Bonnie Bedelia and Brian Kerwin. Is is this different from the TV movie, or is this part of... This is, I remember this being referenced as shorthand for TV movie, like a kind of a lifetime movie, Switched at Birth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is one of those that kind of set the bar for TV movies. And, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's the true story of two, <laughs> two babies that got switched at birth in Florida. Of course. Of course. In <laughs> 1978. And yeah, apparently one of the children, it was found out that she had a chronic illness when she was very young. Mm-hmm. And so they were doing routine blood tests to sort of, you know, because she was very ill. And through the blood test, they found out that she was not the biological daughter of the people that raised her. Um, oh, and then she eventually passed away. And then those parents went to go find their actual biological daughter. And, and mm. that thing, you know, that makes it very, very difficult, of course, for everyone. So, mm. <sighs> Speaking but, of, you know, kind of soapy. Speaking of difficult, Googling 21 Jump Street, because boy, is there no fandom for this television show. And the movie <laughs> took over anything that was special about it uh, in terms of <laughs> SEO. And the movie's fantastic. I remember mm-hmm. watching the show until like even as a little kid, like, seriously, do I have to watch? I have to watch this. I'm really tired of this. And I didn't even know that the, the story of 21 Jump Street, that like its last season, it, Fox canceled it and went into syndication, but it lost Johnny Depp and like an, another couple of stars. So it, it had mm. one rough last year to make it to 100 episodes. So it could then run every day before Alf when I was a little boy. <laughs> um, I looked it up. There is no closure or anything like that. It's just another episode. Mm. And then on the 24th, My Life and Times, a show about an old guy in 2035 telling stories of back in the day. It debuts uh, with Tom Irwin, Megan Mullally, and Helen Hunt. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm trying to hunt down some of this because it only ran like six episodes. But it's like, I want to get my paws on this in 2035 because we're... we're we are half as far from 2035 as we are from 1991. Uh, and we could finally, I hope they're all in old makeup. We can finally see what Helen Hunt looks like as a grandma. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she looks like that all the time and very pretty. And then one of my favorite shows ever debuts. I think it's as far as television goes, something that. Uh, what a strange idea for a show. A great idea for a show. I think you mean this is, this show is super underrated because it does have, um, it's born on ABC. It's made by Jim Henson. It's not, meant i got i got a, i think got lumped in as like a simpsons ripoff because it was a little mm-hmm. edgier than the sitcoms especially the ones that was airing alongside on abc with your full houses and home improvements but it is uh 
it is bleak and dire and characters totally die in weird ways. The last episode, they murder the whole series. And it's, I think it's one of the last television series Jim Henson had a strong creative hand in creating before he died. And this episode, uh, the mighty Megalosaurus will feature a, a memory of, um, that I couldn't, I didn't get to the end of that. I shut off the stupid episode before I could see if they preserved it. Cause it's cut out in a lot of syndication. They don't say in memory of Jim Henson, which they should. He had pitched the idea before the Simpsons about a dinosaur family, that is too toxic to live within its own environment. And there is a ton of bleak shit that went over your head as a kid if you watch Dinosaurs about yeah. falling for omens and religion and the uselessness of the drug war, the, <laughs> the folly of God. capitalism. Uh, it's also a weird show in that usually the puppeteers or Muppeteers voice the characters they bring to life. And this has a lot of the Muppeteers, but celebrity voices. Um, the, the recently departed Jessica Walter was uh, the mother dinosaur. Sally Struthers yeah. was the daughter. And I didn't even... Stuart Pankin? I never saw not necessarily the news, but that guy was in mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies, The Dirt Bike Kid. I accidentally quoted all the time. And he's the voice of Earl Sinclair. I had no idea. Yeah. It, because it's, he it's, usually plays these like nervous, nebbishy, kind of heavy set guys. And Harry's like such a, you know, blue collar, steady sort of guy. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Oh, shit, Stuart Pink. A much smarter Fred Flintstone. And, and one of my favorite bits of casting, the scenes with the boss apply to everything you're cynical, cynical about with your work, your health care, your paycheck today. And I, it's Sherman Helmsley. Uh, and that's the clip I got. Earl is having problems feeding his family. There's a baby on the way. This is the episode where baby dinosaur is born. Uh, not the of not the mama fame, <laughs> and this is him talking to his boss, which is a, like a screaming, a screaming triceratops uh, who just is always dour and, and yelling at the top of his lungs. What puts you in the position to come in here with your slate of demands? Well, uh, I got a wife and a family. Well, where is this my fault? I'm not blaming you. Then why do I have to pay for your family? I just need more money. Nah, the way I see it, you don't need more money. You need less family. But, but but I love my family. Well, obviously you do, since you're ready to quit your job form. What? You face me down, demand more money, I ain't going to give it to you. So you got no alternative but to look me in the eye and say... I'm sorry. I quit! I quit! Oh, well, sorry to lose you, Sinclair. <laughs> Jesus. It is, like, look up any sequence with his boss. It is... Incredible, like incredibly prophetic. It really, <laughs> wow. really is. Having just lived through another Republican administration, and with that, there are not many games to talk about uh, that are notable in 1991. Again, on our Patreon show, we have a brand new episode up uh, right now. You can listen to. Uh, we go way further in depth talking about ports and arcade games and console releases. But music of 1991, April 23rd to the 29th, there are tons of new releases to talk about, such as and now the legacy begins by Dream Warriors. They are. Not the people who beat Freddy Krueger in the third movie. And flying the so flan- you say. Flying the flannel by Firehouse, not to be confused with Sarah's favorite band, Lifehouse. <laughs> uh, Ordinary <laughs> Average Guy by Joe Walsh. The Reality of My Surroundings by Fishbone. Uh, Time, Love, Ooh. and Tenderness by Michael Bolton. And True Love by Pat Benatar. And uh, is this the Baby, Baby, I'm Feeling Your Emotion uh, song? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, Baby, song. Baby by Amy Grant is number one. I hate this song. I wanted to play Everyday Sunshine by Fishbone because Fishbone doesn't get enough respect. Mm-hmm. And instead, it's this miserable earworm. It's <laughs> terrible. You cannot get rid of it. It is 
a nightmare song. Yep. If you had a little sister or an older cousin, you heard this way more than you wanted to. Or you to. go to a grocery store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And with that, we will close out the 1991 portion, but stay right there, people. We have a lot to get to in 2001. Oh, Chris. Oh, Matt. People might not know this about us, but we are two hairy, ape-like human beings. We just got a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. Antista, listen to that name. I am a little baby gorilla. And that means we've especially got a lot of hair down there. But they also don't know, I personally love a freshly shorn scrotum. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge proponent of... Of manscaping, and there is no reason not to do it. It is wonderfully hygienic. You can get way more days out of your underwear. Your partner will thank you. And once again, if you can trim back the tree line, it makes it look like you own more property. Well, sure. But here's the thing. It can be kind of a harrowing experience trimming the hair down there. There's bobs and bits and just there's too much that could go wrong, leading to some unsightly nicks or even... A medical emergency. Many a time I thought I had things under control when they quickly headed south while I was trimming down south. And let me tell you, Chris, <laughs> it hurts. It not only hurts not to be indelicate, but blood doesn't clot on some of those malleable pieces of flesh very well. Right. It just keeps bleeding. That's why I was so excited when our latest sponsor, Manscaped, reached out to us. In fact, I was downright giddy. You see me wearing the Manscaped shirt right now. I'm like a walking mm-hmm. billboard for Manscaped. But... I would be even if I took this shirt off because I recently did a little manscaping of my own using their patented lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created with the lawnmower 3.0. That's way more than Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule to become an expert. These guys are like savants <laughs> of ball trimming, Chris. Yes, I have tried every technique. I've been manscaping for 20 years. The best thing I've been able to come up with before Manscaped, before a tool expressly crafted uh, for, you know, trimming back the nether regions, was either a lighter or a (laughs) razor that had been so dulled it would cut me less. So I would use a razor on my face for like five months just to get it dull enough to not cut my genitals in half. I'm I'm not kidding. I've been dying for this product for a long time. That is going to just put you in a bad place. But Manscapes, their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. None of that dull blade lighter business you're talking about. I don't even know what you're doing there. That, that sounds dangerous. That was mostly for the chest hair, but like Manscaped, yeah, dude, you can use this on your chest hair too. Sure. By the way, when I tell you this is a premium trimmer, I mean premium. The battery life can last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. That is a lot of bushwhacking a 90 minute shave session <laughs> yeah that is like a like a george the animal steel level of <laughs> manscapery but but it should never take any of us that long and I, i'm telling you they probably tested it on hairy people like me well chris they have waterproof technology that even <gasps> allows you to groom in the shower forget shower wow. beers we're all about them shower balls baby no my girl likes to watch me do this in the rain it's a really weird <laughs> fetish first <laughs> One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. I mean, we all need as much light as we can get when trimming the hair down there. 
That is not something you want to do blindly. Trust me on that one. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Yeah, there we go. There we go. And let's not forget about the charging stand, Chris. You got to show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. That's right. USB. You can literally plug this bad boy in at your computer workstation, go to town on your lunch break. Now, look, I'm not saying do this when we're all back in the office. This is definitely kind of a work-from-home-only situation, but who's going to know? Sometimes, for me, it's like a cutting the goatee on a basset hound. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be lifted up first. This is a private endeavor. If you're listening to Chris and I talk about this right now, we want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. So go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com with the code LASERTIME. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. Coming into 2001, and I will repeat this, it is the Bee Gees. We are coming into the the new century with the Bee Gees, and that may have fooled you because it is not falsetto enough, but that I have, I have never heard this song. This is where I came in by the Bee Gees off the album of the same name, the final Bee Gees album. Yeah, unfortunately, we're going to lose Morris pretty soon, mm-hmm. so that's... That's that's a third of the BGs gone, and they can't harmonize quite so much. Also, I love that BGs documentary, but it left out the most important thing. What's that? It left out Sergeant Pepper's Sergeant only Peppers? Yeah. band. That's great. I can't believe that album was massive, and that movie is inexplicable. It's, it's how do you just skip it? It is wonderful, and I've seen it in theaters so many times. And that and Citizen Kane have like one of the loudest screeches that like is the movie airing out why is this here (laughs) every time i see it's on tv i'm like i'm gonna see if this happens again it does wow you feel like the movie is broken it gets so loud um new releases in 2001 april 23rd to the 29th also include free all angels by ash uh digimortal by fear factory sad sappy sucker by modest mouse uh set the circus down by tim mcgraw and the unraveling the debut of rise against again it um all for you by Janet Jackson is still number one. I can't say enough nice things about that song. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, the second Coachella Valley Music Festival. Holy yep. lord. I did not know it was uh, that old, actually. Mm-hmm. My god, started in the year 2000. Should be easy to, easy to chronicle. Uh, the lineup includes Jane's Addiction, Most Deaf, Dandy Warhols, Weezer, The Roots, and Iggy Pop. And man, that is a very 2000. Uh, what happened? The Lollapalooza is not happening that year. Nobody mm. talks about the Dandy Warhols enough, honestly. Yeah, we like were them. obsessed. I like them. We were obsessed with that one hit that they had, the heroin is so passe song. We thought it was a little just silly enough and earwormy enough to warm its way in our hearts. There you go. Shout I'm out more to my of buddy a fan Pai of Pai. the last high. So good. Um, and a little bit of news to bring you into the wonderful world of 2001. I get scared every time I say that. Millionaire Dennis Tito becomes the world's first space tourist 
via Russia? Was it a Russian company? Yeah, via Russia. Uh, he was like 60 years old, but he passed all their training and stuff and coughed up probably around $20 million yep. to do it. And he got to go up to the International Space Station for a couple of days and then come back. I huh. honestly don't know if I had the money I would even feel bad or apologize in, in the world of Twitter. Like, fuck you, space. Sorry. Go hungry, I, everyone. I literally <laughs> have no interest in entering space. Oh, I do. Like, I just want to fly. Put your arms around pass. me, baby. Uh, no, thank you. Love space. Love space. Grew up as a little space kid. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if I'd drop 20 mil on it, but it'd be pretty cool. Man, I, I would d- like to go in a vomit comet one day. Yeah, that would be great. That's all That's all I need, really. I just want to be weightless for a couple times and it, then probably throw up. Yeah, it does seem like you get old and a little nauseating after a while. Uh, and and then movies of 2001, April 23rd to the 29th. One night at McCool. God, I can't keep getting this confused with Drowning Mona, but it's it's the same kind of ickiness um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that results. I tried to watch this recently, uh, mm-hmm. as in the last year. Liv Tyler, Matt Dillon, John Goodman, Michael Douglas, and Paul Reiser. Uh, another throwback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another movie that lost money because its tone is sort of all over the place. It's about Liv Tyler is a con artist who is, go- is supposed to rob Matt Dillon with Andrew Dice Clay and then shoots Andrew Dice Clay and Matt Dillon's like, I decided I love you. I'm going to take the rap for you. And everyone who sees her falls in love with her. So John Goodman's the cop. He sees her, he falls in love with her. And like, they kind of do a Rashomon thing where everyone's remembering things differently. And it just kind of like Oscar, I was just, just getting exhausted. Where mm. it's just like, we're being just we're being too wacky and cute but never moving the plot forward enough is the vibe i like i just remember kind of seeing the poster but from when i was that age and like picking it up and i might have even like seen it every like potentially but when i saw the title for it it kind of gave me vibes of bad times at the el royale that movie that came out in Mm -hmm. 2018 is that kind of a similar feel a little bit i think bad times at the el royale is a bit better Oh, yeah, I love that movie. It was a bit more straightforward. Mm -hmm. This is like they're trying to, I feel like they're trying for Tarantino-esque a bit with Mm -hmm. the, like, breaking up the viewpoints in the story and mixing comedy and violence, but it's like they never fully commit to anything. It's like, it's very quirky, and so I'm sure there's someone that it just, like, clicks with. That person was not me, except for Michael Douglas's amazing pompadour hair. Oh, dang. I'm sad I missed that. There, it's pretty spectacular. There's a part of me that anytime I think of Michael Douglas, I think of the way he looks in this movie. That's, that's <laughs> how I want him to look forever. Mm-hmm. I love him so much. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's just, this was a, it was a big old miss. But, you know, that's one you, your mileage might vary. Maybe you do like it because it's so quirky. Mm-hmm. Town and country, though, I, no one likes this movie. Yeah. Especially the people in it. Well, that sucks because I like it. <laughs> I, dude, I wanted to go see it. Really? Oh my god, we yes. found the person. I'm the one. Now, to be fair, I kind of feel like probably the main reason I like it is Gary Shandling. That's the why I wanted to go see it. Gary Shandling. I love him so much. And like every time I see him in something, I'm like, fuck, that is a person who's taken from us way too soon. Like mm-hmm. just unbelievably funny by all accounts a very kind person like just oh god so i was like excited to see this come up because i was like hell yeah gary shandling let's do this this is fine like i don't know there's nothing wrong with this movie sometimes i do like to me sometimes i really enjoy watching rich people be shitty to each other and that's (laughs) definitely what this movie is it's certainly crazy but i'm sorry it is the same as any Woody Allen movie to me. 
Uh, mm. I mean, I it's see. basically rich people cheating on each other and smelling their own farts. And yet <laughs> this one hopefully probably wasn't directed by a molester. And mm-hmm. it, and this one does have Gary Shandling. So I'm sorry. I like this better than pretty much any Woody Allen movie. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, no. Well, the problem with this one is, I mean, let's go over this cast. It's crazy. Warren Beatty, Diane Keaton, Goldie Hawn, Andy McDowell, Natasha Kinski, and Charlton Heston with guns. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the problem was it took forever. It that- had been shot a couple years before. They had major script problems. Buck Henry came in to like do a polish. He ended up doing a full rewrite. Then becoming he pops up a in cast movie. member. <laughs> he yeah. became a cast member in like I mean, a two it, years after they started shooting. <laughs> yeah. It took so long. Gary Shandling just left and did uh, what planet are you from mm-hmm. and marketed that and promoted it. Oof. And it came out and then came back to finish this because it just went on forever. I mean, there was plenty of problems where, you know, you, you can't direct Warren Beatty. He doesn't want to be directed. He's yep. a director. He's done this longer than you. And so, and he was trouble. He wanted a million takes. He wanted reshoots. He wanted rewrites. And it just, it took so long. And you can kind of tell sometimes where you're like, okay, this scene doesn't seem to follow the tone of the last scene. Uh This is a reshoot, isn't it? Uh Uh I can see that. I can definitely see that. I I couldn't, that's what I, I, it affected me reading the news when the movie came out. I'm like, oh, that looks whatever. Maybe I'll see that if it comes to video. And then like this movie costs over a hundred million dollars and lost yes. like what in this looks like it costs that much. And it is just, if you were listening to our Dick Tracy conversation, it's just kids. Warren Beatty was very powerful and uh-huh. didn't want mm-hmm. to do that much. It is very meticulous to his credit. And I just can't, he has been in one movie since then. One Bullworth yeah. town country and rules don't apply covers Warren Beatty's filmography. He's still alive. And still occasionally shows up places. Sometimes misreads the Oscars. Um, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and has, has made three movies since 1998. That's how much money he made uh, back in the 70s and 80s. Hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, God, it, it's hard to think of a star more powerful in the 70s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and it is like. I know, but I feel like, it, like for, some of it is- for young people, we have to like, here's who Warren Beatty was. Because like it doesn't, yeah. it shouldn't make sense to you if you're under 30. Yeah, and yeah. and then part of the appeal here is it's him with Diane Keaton. They were a couple for a long time, and they're in Reds together. Him and Goldie Hawn have been in a couple movies, Dollars yep. and Shampoo, and I feel like there's another one. So it's sort of like get the band back together. Like, mm-hmm. no, this is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely for a certain generation, mm-hmm. and apparently that's, that one is but me. That's, a, that's the thing. <laughs> the, the, the actual production of this movie lasted almost a generation because of Warren Beatty. It did. And then like you read like this lost the studio a hundred million dollars and like watch the trailer. How is that possible? How did this movie cost that much? It makes uh, no sense. Like just yeah, release a actually, failure. Like did they actually buy the fancy mansions yeah. that they live in? In which case they could have sold them and gotten some yeah. of that money back. Yeah. It, For it, real. It makes For real. no sense. No sense. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It also has like, oh gosh, Josh Hartnett's in it. Janet Elfman's in it. Mm-hmm. Like, Lots of people are in this movie that are very surprising. Andy McDowell also gives a very unhinged performance, (laughs) (laughs) which is cool because you don't really see her like that very often. I don't know. I don't know why this is reviled because I think it's absolutely fine. At worst, it's fine. Mm. I actually quite enjoyed it. I think we were were dealing with a world where if you're reading about movies every day and you read about this for three years, you do start getting sick of it and then obviously outlet starts covering it like oh what's going on with this disaster it's taking mm-hmm. three years and that was the context 
Warren Beatty's new movie was talked about for like almost half a decade. Yeah, I guess we don't have any of that baggage going into. Not that, really, but. like, and, and you shouldn't just like we forget we were talking. We were talking about that with Freddie Got Fingered. Like, if it's weird and bad, release it. Don't spend a hundred million dollars fixing it. That'll never happen. Release a weird mm-hmm. movie, and instead mm-hmm. you get something that is unpleasantly weird, like Town and Country. I mean, not to Sarah, but like to the critics. But again, I don't know if they were colored by like the trades. Uh, yeah. Waterworld. And that movie's excellent. Didn't hurt, <laughs> Titan- didn't hurt Titanic. I get it wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. I think the biggest, one of the biggest movies in my world in 2001, mm-hmm. um, Matthieu Kassowitz and Audrey Tattoo. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, I have stared at this DVD so often. <laughs> uh, Amelie. This Valentine season, Cupid has a new name. Amelie. She's on a quest to change other people's lives. Perhaps her own as well. You'll fall in love with Amelie. Rated R. Never again. But I did see it in theaters and thought it was wonderful. Yep. So this is the French release. It comes to the U.S. in February, as mm-hmm. they said, which makes sense because it is a very romantic movie. But I appreciate them actually trying to summarize the plot because I was trying to after watching it last night. And I was like, I don't know how yeah. to summarize this movie <laughs> yeah. because there is a lot of extra goofiness going on that I've forgotten about. Mm-hmm. It is incredibly silly. <laughs> it is a very... Oh quirky goofy weird little movie i think if you were to pull most people who saw it during this time and were into films at this time they you would come up with a lot of images but not a lot of plot like i don't think people remember the plot i think they just remember certain shots and images which that's a type of movie i mean i didn't rewatch this for the show but i remember everything sort of changes halfway through it in the Mm -hmm. beginning she's on like this quest and then it's all about her and it'd be it's yeah. it feels like a Ghibli movie or something. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, it is very it's in- aggressively charming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So it's it's to summarize. Yeah. Uh, Amelie is a very shy girl living in Paris who decides to start doing nice things for people to fix their lives, mm-hmm. and then is kind of in a situation where it's like, oh, but you should fix your own. There's also some goofy pranks. There's also a lot of very strange asides where every time a character is introduced, we find out about a couple things that they like and a couple things that they hate that are um, just have nothing to do with anything. Irrelevant. They're just very cute. It's just also cute. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's cute in uh, Wes Anderson-y. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah. uh, like I, I have uh, negative connotations brought up just because like, at this point, people my age are starting to get their own apartment. Nobody's buying cable. Every girl I know isn't as into DVDs as guys. And this is always, always <laughs> one of three to five DVDs at every girl I dated for the next five years' house. And I've watched it so many times with, with, because of nothing else. I had to start bringing DV, leaving DVDs in my car. Oh, we can watch Dire with a Vengeance yeah. tonight instead of Amelie again. Well, I mean, it's so it's very rewatchable because it is like four different movies in one. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, with just fun little just tangents that it goes on about, like, oh, she's trying to get her dad interested in like going out and traveling, and he's not, so she's you know steals his lawn gnome and sends the lawn gnome on trips around the world to send him postcards and stuff, and hoping that will like inspire him, and not explaining it to him, so he's very confused what happened. 
There's mm. lots of her just sneaking up to people and just doing a little sneaky little thing and <laughs> sneaking away. Yeah, basically, Amelie walked so pushing daisies could run, basically. <laughs> it's like, it definitely set a tone and like a aesthetic that mm. was copied quite a bit during this time, which is fine. I like it. I mean, I like that aesthetic. It definitely beget a whole generation of bangs for girls, but... <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. But no, it yeah, is, I don't mean I don't mean to crap on it. It's very of its time. Mm-hmm. Like it, it definitely yeah. transports you and, to and, this and time period and this style of filmmaking. I would I would only argue that uh, I brought up the DVD because another thing I saw when looking at it for the show is that like um it came in on DVD. Almost everybody I knew. I only hung out with film fans and women, so everyone I knew had Amelie. It mm-hmm. never got a, an American Blu-ray release. So really, yeah. So like. Ha ha, Netflix and all that stuff. But like an entire generation was not afforded the ability to see this movie until it finally was released digitally because it didn't have a U.S. distributor for Hmm. home video. So, yeah, I feel like the movie probably would have held up a little better had it aired on television or been readily available like further into the DVD era, the Uh, physical media era. Could be. I mean, we are sort of in that early DVD era where it's like you you really want you want the the special movies get to be the DVD movies. No, not if you're a guy. (laughs) Or you're just buying literally everything. It's Tuesday. Let me buy three. Oh, Tuesdays were the best. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I literally hadn't seen this for 20 years and just going back and it's like it is so strange and it's so, so strange that we just talked about Delicatessen. Yeah. With the same director who is, I mean, he's such a visually distinctive director doing something that's just like the complete opposite. This is not post-apocalyptic cannibalism. Mm -hmm. This is romanza. And yet it's also, it has a very timeless feel to it in a lot of ways, which is weird because it takes place in an incredibly specific time. I forgot that it is September 1997 and you have to know it is September 1997. And I was like, hmm. Do you really? Because because like Princess Dies Death is a thing that keeps coming up and actually is weirdly the plot instigator. Huh. And it's like, that is a really, really specific time and place. And yet this could take place in the 40s. And I'd be like, yeah, OK. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <sighs> you can, so charming. Très charmant. You can watch this currently on Showtime. And thank you for reminding me to cancel Showtime. And then the, the 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 real draw at the box office this week. I don't remember this doing this well, and it's it's only no. interesting in how we talked about Sylvester Stallone previously, where he's like one of the biggest stars in the world, and like fuck yeah, you should put him in your 1930s throwback screwball comedy. He'll make every movie more money. I remember seeing at least TV spots for this. He is not in them. They were he is uh, not in them. They nope. were he's and, not in this one. And he wrote this, didn't he? Yeah, he he. It's it's his uh Formula One. It's his race car movie. Give him the Rocky treatment. Estella Warren, Gina Gershon, Til Schweiger, uh, Kip Pardue, Burt Reynolds, and Sly Stallone, and Driven. Good luck today. To race with courage. Everyone falls down. It's just how fast you get up. To love with passion. Don't blow this. Not over her. Risk it all. I can't do this. Don't overdrive the car. You must be driven. Ready PG thirteen starts Friday, April twenty seventh. You don't even see him. I, you you see freaking Burt Reynolds, yes, but you sir. don't see Sylvester Stallone in this trailer. Weird. Yeah, yeah it's very strange. Uh, yeah, and again, second time in a row now we have a Sylvester Stallone movie. It's number one at the box office. 
it loses money. It loses hmm. money. Yeah. What a strange world. April is weird. April is weird. Yeah, it's a Formula One movie. I mean, is there anything special about it? Not really, except that it's Formula One instead of, you know, NASCAR, like Days of Thunder. It's directed by Rennie Harlan, who knows how to direct action like a mofo. Love Rennie Harlan. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they did, they did Cliffhanger together. That's a beautifully directed movie. Anyway. Well, Kiss Goodnight, my favorite meh. Freddy movie. My my closeted favorite Freddy movie. No yeah, one likes four as much It's sort of meh. Meh. The whole thing is just sort of meh. Meh. Whatever. Yeah. Nothing special. I, I saw it. I saw it on cable and never thought to seek it out or find it ever. Yeah, and I guess if you're into Formula One, there's I'm a lot not, of cameos from you know Mario Andretti and Jacques Villeneuve. I'm American and I don't dip, so there's yeah, no, none of those <laughs> qualify as a Formula One fan. 2001 television, though. Here's some stuff I'm ooh so close to being a fan of. I've come around on Friends. I'm not angry at yeah. Friends anymore. Look, Friends has its issues. It's been a little bit since we've talked about it. It's kind of in its downslope now. I think we've got a year and a half probably until the finale, the series really? finale. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay. Nine seasons, and we're, this is season seven. This is also the heyday of Friends stunt casting That's guest what, stars. Uh, I was so pre- actually, gone. Yeah. yeah. Last week... I didn't talk about it, but there was an episode where Ross and Monica's cousin comes to stay, and it's played by um, Denise Richards. And the storyline there is that, like, Ross is very attracted to her, and it becomes a problem. Really? Denise Richards? Yep. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Weird, right? Uh, But I pulled this one because this is the one with Rachel's big kiss. The guest star is Winona Ryder, who plays Rachel's college friend, who Rachel's kind of talking at the beginning of the episode about how, like, you know, she's wild and crazy, but everyone's like, no, no, you're not. You're actually very basic and lame. And she's like, no, (laughs) I kissed a girl one time in college. And then everybody's like, I'm listening. Because we're right also in the heyday of women kissing women being a big sexy thing that happens on television Object- <laughs> objectification aside it's it's fun to remember when that did anything for me that it's, it's, it's very it's almost quaint in this one winona writer does not remember this kiss doesn't think it's happened it's just like you're crazy like this didn't happen and then so i pulled a little clip because it's really winona writer doing what she does best is she i just want to know before i click on the clip and see her does she have uh, like Kingdom Hearts anime hair with like little triangles scooped down, or is she out of her pixie period and has longer hair now? Oh yeah, no, she has oh, longer hair. Now. Gonna be way more bored. It happened. I am telling you, it happened. Okay. Well, it was great meeting you. And uh, Rachel, I I don't think I'll be calling you because um, you know you've got me weird. <laughs> Take care, you guys. Wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Okay, look. That night was the one wild thing I have ever done in my entire life, and I'm not going to let you take that away from me. Okay, so if you don't remember that, maybe you will remember this. My God. You love me. What? Of course I remember our kiss. I think about it all the time. I can still hear the coconuts knocking together. I I just didn't want to tell you because I didn't think you'd return my love. And now that you have. Wow. I love it when Winona Ryder plays 
slightly unhinged. Mm. I think she does a really <laughs> good job of that. And, you know, or like, um, I don't know. I just, I love seeing her on my screen. Every time she comes up, she's consistently great, even when she's not in great things. And mm. she's so believable as someone who is a little bit off, a little bit unhinged. So when you can't really <laughs> trust the narrative coming from her, I love her in Black Swan doing that. I love her in <laughs> Stranger Things also kind of playing that same sort of, we don't know how much we can trust her narrative because she's just a little bit out there. And yeah, mm. here she is doing it again. And this, is this post shoplifting or pre? It's no. be post. We're still pre. Really? Okay. okay. Yeah. What a travesty hold, hold that on. she got. Coconuts banging together? Oh, yeah. I, I, were... I never cease to be shocked by the things must-see TV snuck onto the airwaves. Like, <laughs> like the image that conjured in my head, which is very rare because I don't like to think about stuff. Yeah, that's an episode of Friends. Friends, where can you can you still stream that anywhere? What the fuck? Oh, gosh. Still... It famously left Netflix last year, but I guess it's it on is HBO somewhere. Max. It'll end up on HBO Max, I believe. It's the yes, I appearance. think that's where it ended up. And speaking of HBO Max, you can see this HBO movie they're 61 asterisks it's the reference i constantly make uh in our not only laser times best movies of 2020 but oscar time 2021 coming this very week everyone on the mic right now is involved 61 asterisks the most home runs hit that year because it was a weird year and uh this is a well (laughs) they get into why the asterisk is there yes this is a billy crystal movie right yeah Mm -hmm. directed by billy crystal starring Mm -hmm. thomas jane and barry pepper Pepper. as yeah, as uh, Roger Marison, Mickey Mantle, not respectively. I think I got him in the other order. Yeah, it's about them chasing the single season home run record set by Babe Ruth in 1927. Mm-hmm. And the reason the asterisk is there is because like one of the baseball commissioners like loves Babe Ruth so much. And he's like, but you guys have more games per season. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you can break that record. It's like you have more chances. It's like it's kind of got a point. Yeah. A little, yeah, go yeah, maybe you should like do an average per game. I, I don't it's, know. It's funny how they didn't do that for like the <laughs> the steroidal monsters from like twenty, like forty years later. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, you have all this anabolic shit being shot directly into your scrotum, and we didn't have that then. Put an asterisk up to Mark McGuire. <laughs> yeah. Kidding. Yeah, well, Mark McGuire was all roided up, but he wasn't constantly drunk like Mickey Mantle. Yeah. <laughs> which I remember Thomas oh. Jane is really good in that as someone who's just like he, you know, he's living a rock star lifestyle. And he just can't stop drinking. I remember actually liking this movie a little bit. And because yeah. I, I didn't know who Roger Maris was, but like this like sad sack, uh, like like a not happy Scotty Pippen, um, like just <laughs> a, a low profile, like by all accounts, fantastic athlete that is constantly overshadowed by being on one of the best teams in the entire country. And, yeah. Yeah. That was a, such a time in history where all of our athletes were like drunk hungover like running what happens i think running a, no they're all so? like fucking machines that like hmm. you know eat pills that are you know <laughs> meal replacements that have all your nutrients i mean they're all fucking uh, tom honey, brady who's have like, you watched baseball uh, no we still have because it's extremely boring <laughs> oh yeah. yeah baseball body's a real thing for mm. sure but yeah. they're way more like i don't know genetically engineered like I want them to go back to being like drunk and smoking cigarettes while they're in the dugout, please. It's, is what I'd ask. We should have more like world, more fa- world famous athlete, athletes like the babe. It's a body type I can live up to. And, uh, <laughs> trying to get in baseball shape over here and get out of bowling shape. And, yeah, and, like, I, think, <laughs> I think Babe Ruth had it figured out. Which is, if you hit a home run, you don't have to run. Yeah. Ooh. You can just walk the bases. Running life is hard. Hack. That's a life hack life right hack. there. <laughs> Multi million dollar life hack. 
Uh, and uh, I don't know if Diana saw this one. It, 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 it technically doesn't count as classic Hollywood, but you know what we're talking about. On Golden, yeah, Golden Pond TV. You think it is? You, on Golden Pond? I, well, I mean, On Golden Pond, that's early 80s. But it our stars are... Yeah, our stars is, is what elevates it. And it was yeah. done live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with uh, Julie Andrews and Christopher Oh, it was, on, it was on live. Mm-hmm. It was done live. A... Yeah, reuniting after Sound of Music so many years later. All right, papers for Plummer. Uh, 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 yeah, I mean, I got I got no complaints. Did I watch it? No, it's on YouTube in its entirety if you want to. But they're wonderful <laughs> actors, and I love seeing them together. So I remember it being hyped so much, though. The like the promos were everywhere. Like I remember during this time period, like watching watching my friends and like watching you know my Frasers and ERs and whatever and. This was constantly being promoted. It was like the biggest thing that happened in television this yep. week. And it, it ended up being rated pretty low, but it was by rated pretty low back then. It's like only 11 million people. <laughs> <laughs> what a disappointment. And uh, yeah, with, with that, uh, getting the video games of 2001, April 23rd to the 29th, Sylphie, the Lost Planet. I have not played that treasure game, but I have so much love for the adventures of Cookies and Cream. A uh, very uh, early innovation with dual analog sticks on the play. You could like only play it on the PlayStation um, because the Nintendo 64 and the Saturn didn't have two double analog sticks like every PlayStation controller does now. And you one one side of the screen would control the bunny and the other one would control I don't know a fucking cat. Uh, and you use the two two different analog sticks to control two characters on one side of the screen at the same time. And they could go further than one another because it was split screen and they could come back and bring each other stuff. And you were playing two characters at the same time. Uh, I thought it was pretty charming. One of the more unique games out there. We've only got uh, one or two sequels, but I, I applaud The Adventures of Cookies and Cream. It's also one of my favorite flavors of anything. Uh, let's <laughs> close that at 2001. With The Art of Losing by Rise Against. we got an album out this week. But stay right there, people. we got to close the show with all the good stuff that happened in 2011. Don't move. internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth watching and for the week of april 23rd through 29 uh two movies about criminals that are very very different and separated by uh ooh, 40 years anyway let's start all the way back in 1931 celebrating its 90th anniversary is the public enemy starring james cagney which oh my gosh so Quick, quick history. Back in the day, there were basically no censorship rules uh, in the 20s and 30s. And then they, they instituted some in like the mid 30s because mostly gangster pictures, but also like there was some sex and there's, you know, Mae West and nudity and and oh, things that just are not said in polite society. And th- the gangster pictures in particular, they could get real violent. And if you watch The Public Enemy, a 90 year old movie, I think you'll be kind of surprised to see how brutal shit could be in movies way, way, way back in the day. I mean, there've only been talkies for four years and here we are just, oh damn, it's just, it's a rough movie. It's like, you understand like when they remade Scarface, how there's so much blood and guts and gore in it. 
I mean, dude with chainsaw. If they remade the Public Enemy, I don't know. I don't know what they do. I mean, first of all, they couldn't find anyone quite like James Cagney or Gene Harlow or Joan Blondell, for that matter. If you haven't seen them in anything, solid recommend just to understand, you know, why why are these people like icons of classic Hollywood? James Cagney in particular, considering he was raised as a song and dance man, he's he's scary. He's a scary freaking psychopath. Anyway, moving on. 50 years ago this week, we also have a landmark film about crime. It's kind of, sort of, to simplify, called the first black exploitation film. It's Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, directed, starring, written by Melvin Van Peebles, with music by Earth, Wind, and Fire, which no one ever mentions, because I love them. It's, um... Not politically correct. There's a lot of, let's call them problematic things 50 years later, especially how it treats uh, women or um, ages of consent. But it is freaking landmark. And I think Huey Newton like required Black Panthers to watch it because it's really just about like a black man trying to get by and getting hassled. That's yeah. Th- there you go. If you need a little bit of a primer, I guess you could watch um, Melvin Van Peebles and Mario Van Peebles made a movie about this movie called Badass, which is also, it's like pretty good. You know, it's fun to watch them as a double feature. So those are my recommendations. I feel like Melvin Van Peebles would appreciate being put together with Public Enemy. I think he'd understand. So those are my recommendations. Public Enemy 1931, Sweet Sweet Back's Badass Song 1971. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with On the Floor by Jennifer Lopez featuring Pitbull off of... Mr. Worldwide! Back it up like a Tonka truck. Off of Jennifer Lopez's Love? Is that how you pronounce it? Also, officially on the state of Florida's payroll as a tourism investor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Coming in with a dance... So we do get some things right. Don't you love it when a uh, song about dancing lines up that you can dance to it? Man, that never happens. Count on J-Lo. <laughs> 2011. Get it done. Welcome to 2011, April 23rd to the 29th. Uh, all, new releases this week also include Union Black by uh, Skindred and Fishing for Woos by Bowling for Soup. Um, I hope that's a reference to Bub Rub. Uh, E.T. <laughs> by Katy Perry featuring Kanye West is still number one. So, news to bring you into the wonderful world of 2011. Even if you don't remember what movie you were seeing, you might remember something happening on the news. Like, more than 300 people die during the worst outbreak of tornadoes since the 1975 super outbreak. 216 people died in a single day across the south of Oh, tornadoes. there were 216 tornadoes oh, God. in a single day. Oh, I was going to say, because yeah. they, they, there's rarely a huge death toll for tornadoes, but um, with that many, yeah, those those two and threes really stack up. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tornadoes are super... I am terrified of tornadoes. Same. Even though I've, I've lived through so many hurricanes. Yep. I've never seen a tornado. And, mm-hmm. mm, oh I dream goodness. about them a lot, so someone analyze that, please. I'm glad I have a, a bathroom with no windows. Thank you, utility bathroom. I will hide in you. And then to make the birther shut up, President Barack Obama, right on time, releases his long-form birth certificate. Uh, they failed to shut up, Diana writes, Inc- including the, including uh, the previous president, who, who didn't shut up about it until he was elected. Do you remember how he announced that he believes Barack Obama was born in the country? Mm-hmm. He said, and he's probably born here, but I'm here to announce my new hotel. 
he had a press conference at his new hotel and like really put it out there under like clearly severe pressure from his staff and then acknowledged it and then went on to promoting himself and his money while hmm. being elected president. That guy's this guy is going to be the most fun person to see movies about later on. God damn. No. No. Oh no. god, no. You're going to love it. You're going to love it when you're like 20 years removed. You're never going to be able to stop. It's like Nixon now. I love reading about Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> it's That'll be weird. Yeah, I this whole thing I don't understand it except that he's black and has a funny name and therefore yeah. he can't yes. really be American. Yes. But it also doesn't make sense because even if he was born in Kenya, it wouldn't matter because his mother is a U.S. citizen. Yes. It doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't fucking it matter. Never, it never would make sense. Making sense is not part of the equation here. Like, yes. that's irrelevant. And I think, I think, uh, no, it's not irrelevant to Ted Cruz. <laughs> it's, it's Ted Cruz it's, was born to American citizens outside of the country. And no one was like, how dare he, how dare he sneak in here with his pot belly and puby beard? Tell us yeah. what to do. <laughs> Didn't get a laugh. I got a wins from Sarah. Yeah, that's the same. John Cruz McCain expects- wasn't born in America either. No yeah. one questioned it because his parents were U.S. citizens. And that is, and I love, uh, uh, to, it's not racist for the reasons people who think they're not racist for being birthers think that it is. It's just that you they will use any conspiracy conspiracy theory to delegitimize Barack Obama in any mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. and didn't mind grabbing onto a racist one that was very easy to disprove. And I do yeah. admire, like, I, what was the story behind him waiting so long? Was it just, was it? Was he, it he had released an earlier, like, the little short birth certificate like a copy of his regular birth certificate and they were like this doesn't prove anything and they're like all right is poor folks in honolulu in the registry office gonna like go through and find the extra extra paperwork from the 60s and it still didn't make him happy like oh it was it's a it's a fake or oh they went back and put it in there after the fact and it's like Mm -hmm. But there was a newspaper announcement in, like, the Honolulu Advertiser. No, that's forged. No explanation would satisfy these people. That's why, who cares? Don't explain anything then. Because they're (laughs) never going to be like, oh, okay, you're right. You got us. I still try and do. Yeah, we'll shut up. I still still try and do some service to friends I grew up with who are uh, peddling misinformation. But this is exhausting. And, like, it does. Every time you bring up, like, that's wrong, I'm like, do you want me to bring up the other things you were wrong about and you just don't talk about it anymore? Like the mm. president not being born here, which you hung your hat on for like an entire term. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're all over the place. Uh, and also yep. this this week, uh, Prince William and Kate Middleton marry, and that reminds me of Aww. nothing happening in the news. And I just, uh, I remember at work people being super excited about this. And even then I was like, they're not. Uh, like they're not your siblings. Like where, I understand. Where were you working? The, the Weekly so World ex- News. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, no, like Americans were like, oh, we woke up and watched. I just don't get it. Yeah, because it's because it's a big fancy show with big fancy hats. You know, mm, it's, it's like hats. watching the Oscars red carpet. That's what mm. it's like. Mm. And just, but most of the people yeah. on the red carpet are like talented and contribute to society. Yeah, I, I think but some of these people wear really funny hats. Yeah, okay, you and got you, me there. You're not yeah, giving. You got me there. You're, you're not. There was the one cousin wearing that. It was like the. It was like a giant ribbon that looked like the Eye of Sauron. It was great. You were, you're, <laughs> you're also not giving the queen enough credit for wearing just chroma key curtains as as outfits on a regular basis. <laughs> 
She knows what she's doing. She sees this somewhere. It's hilarious. Let them project whatever they want onto me. Yen cat. Well, I don't care. Goatsy, put it on my chest. I don't care. <laughs> got an empire to run. <laughs> Movies of 2011. Uh... April 23rd to the 29th. I'm very confused by this. This isn't just a Clash song? Jenny Jones, no. uh, Peter Stormare, Brittany Snow, Elizabeth Shue, Alessandro Nivola, and uh, Abigail Breslin. Now, this is about a girl and her rock star dad who, like, reconnect. And I was like, didn't we just talk about the Sofia Coppola movie that's the same thing? Yeah. I'm so confused. I don't know. This was, unlike our previous two decades, this one, we have a big release and just everyone got the hell out of the way. Mm. That they was just sort of like lesson. shrugs. That's, that's mm. I, I can't wait to talk about that. Fuck, fuck, hoodwinked too. <laughs> Bringing us further in depth to the world of Little Red Riding Hood, a story that takes five minutes to tell that we can now get two movies out of. Um, is this animated? It is, of yeah. course, animated. Um, it, yeah, the sequel to Hoodwinked One or Hoodwinked Origins. I don't know. I'm not seeing this movie that's got terrible <laughs> Hoodwinked <reviews>. Revelations. <laughs> <laughs> Hoodwinked colon Hornswoggled. And uh, no, I'm not watching this movie. Despite a cast that includes Hayden Pinatier, uh, Glenn. Hayden Pantyliner. Hayden Pantyliner, Gl- Glenn Farr, or close. That's not funny. Uh, Patrick Warburton, Joan Cusack, Bill Hader, and Amy Poehler. All of you deserve better roles. And yeah. this movie. I I just couldn't believe. Casually watched four movies beforehand and rolled my eyes and be like, mm, yeah, that's that was okay. And then all of a sudden, Gal Gadot, Sung Kang, uh, Matt Schultz, I think I'm saying that right, Luda, uh, Chris Luda, Chris Bridge, uh, Tyrese Gibson, Jordana Brewster, Dwayne jo- Dwayne Johnson, Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, number one at the box office. Please, people, get out of the way because I'm going to tell you why you need to enjoy Fast Five. Hey, Toretto, you're under arrest. I don't feel like I'm under arrest. Our boys have called in some old friends. You guys have every cop in Rio coming after you. This is crazy. This is a hundred million dollars. Sooner or later, we're going to end up behind bars. But not today. In theaters and IMAX. This movie is so fucking good. It is so <laughs> it good. It's so good. Okay, so let's let's track how we got to this place. Fast and the Furious, the original Fast and the Furious. Point break which for is teenagers. Just, <laughs> it's just point break with cars. Mm-hmm. Two, Horrible. it's more point break. It's it, but they it's not live stunts so much. They add Tyrese Gibson more. and they do a bunch of really stupid and regrettable CG stuff and Right. They upset right. Paul Walker so much, even though he is not King Shit of Fuck Mountain, he's like, I'm not doing any more of these. Vin yeah. Diesel bounced. I'm not doing any more of these. And neither did Tyrese. Right. Three, technically more of a spinoff. Three is, is a spinoff. None of our originals are back. And they, they give us, but it gives us director Justin Lin. So yes. wait, is three Tokyo Drift? Tokyo yes. Drift. Okay. Tokyo so not Drift. not as much a spinoff as a drift away. It's the, it's the one that begins with a kid rock song and a car crash brought upon by the oldest kid from Home Improvement. It is, <laughs> it is but it is, it is the one that, it is the cheapest movie. Of the series uh-huh. that has ever been uh-huh. made and shows that like, no, there's something to this, like, not necessarily race stuff, but this like practical car stuff that like yeah. Hollywood has not really been addressing. And this is not a, and, and Tokyo Drift's not a crazy success, but it's enough a success that like Universal's like, well, you know, uh, Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez and 
Paul, uh, Paul, not Paul Williams. There's no way the Emmett Otter. Walker. Paul Walker. <laughs> they they tried being movie stars. It hasn't worked out great. What if we give him a big payday and bring him back for the fourth film? And the fourth right. film is insane because in the third film, Justin Lin kills his friend Han and decides, I want Han in all the movies henceforth. So every movie after three will be a prequel to three <laughs> that takes right. place. After uh, well, let's two. not even start with the timeline. It yeah. is very, very, very confusing. Uh, and then we've got the, uh, yeah, the, the trailer for nine dropped like last week. And uh-huh. it's like, wait, Han is there. What yes. the, okay. All right. So four, four is roughly a remake of one with bigger car stunts. Four is, but it's terrible. It's, it's awful. It's one of the worst. And, yeah. and, and, but it, it does way better. It turns out paying these stars to come back. There's, there's some legs to this. And this is, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's Justin Lin or Universal, but I, I think it might have been a coda from Universal that like, you know, this car culture thing, it's not even really a thing anymore. We're exploiting the need for speed series yeah. has moved on from this bullshit, uh, drop kit neon stuff. Yeah. Well, how much can you do? With street racing. Yes. I mean, we've done four fucking movies with street racing and we're moving away from street racing already. Like in the fourth one, there's all kinds of shit with like drug dealers and a tunnel under the border. And, you know, we're moving into crime that also has cars in it. Mm. Let's broaden the appeal even further by keeping going with the crime, but also there's cars in it and do a heist movie. You you need to and know. And they struck gold, baby. You, you absolutely need to know certain things that happen in the first four movies, but the series begins here with five. Yes. They, these are no longer street racers. They are international fugitives that are now committing acts of <laughs> incredible, es- incredibly expensive espionage, high stakes robberies, sometimes working with, with international governments, sometimes not. Dwayne Johnson is hired to pursue them. And it, it, it seems that, that to me was like so hard to remember. Like I forgot he was introduced as their villain and has been their friend in the subsequent mm-hmm. five fucking movies, as has every other, almost every other villain. And it's mm-hmm. one of those things I like to point out to people. Fast and the Furious is sometimes more comic booky than the Marvel movies. People come back from the dead and switch allegiances. And that some of that is happening now, but this is happening with Fast. Like this is the 10th anniversary of its franchise. This is Every every fast movie after two came out with an X Men movie, and they're way better. They're way more comic booky <laughs> than the X Men films. The prequels, people come back from the dead. It's so wonderful and silly. People oh, gain superpowers. Come, the The end of this movie is teasing someone coming back from the dead with amnesia. Is that this movie or the second one? No, I believe that's it's Letty. this one. Yes. Yeah. Wait, was it a post credit scene? I, I think so. That. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think there's a mid credit scene. Yeah. The, okay. The scene from the next one is. <laughs> Is Statham like, yeah, I'm here to, I'm here to kill Gone again. It's so fucking crazy. And this is all a, a trilogy of prequels that occur before <laughs> the third one because everyone's writing like, comp- let's throw whatever we can at the wall, film as much cool shit as we can, and see yep. what we can get away with. And if people like stuff, we'll do our best to bring them back. Gal Gadot is, is the one character I don't think, I think they'll have a difficult time bring me back into the fold. But every new mm. character they've introduced, like comic books, they stick around and they all become friends. And this yep. this movie is 
absolutely insane. Yeah. And and the fact that they find something for everyone to do. Yeah. That's actually pretty impressive screenwriting because Tyrese doesn't have a lot to do. <laughs> but yeah, they he's find so stuff. Pretty, though. <laughs> he is so pretty. But they find stuff for like Tyrese and Luda to do. You know, usually it's kind of as comic relief, but it doesn't feel quite so forced. Okay. So Tyrese, one of my favorite things that I know about him mm-hmm. is that he has a full Benihana set up in his house. Wow. Like a room <laughs> that is just he, Benihana. He, and nice. I want so bad for his role in the fast movies to just be like over in the corner, like flipping a bunch yeah. of shrimp up in the air and making the like volcano out of it. Hang on, we're not gonna go on this mission until Tyrese makes an onion volcano. <laughs> <laughs> Japanese Coca Cola, yes. all the hits. <laughs> hey, put an egg on uh, my hat. I'm doing a good Wendy's. <laughs> It, it, this yeah. is I mean so much of this movie is based on whatever technology and complete disregard for the laws of physics mm. and it knows and human that anatomy. It's being silly and that's okay. Again, you do silly things and you treat them super seriously, you you it's it sells them. It really sells yeah, them. Yeah, I remember our, our our one of our old co-hosts Henry like was hearing people in the office talk about like, "Oh, another Fast and the Furious movie." And he's like, "I feel bad for you." <laughs> that, that you don't that you don't know what this is. Like I understand how it can look from afar. These are bad movies, but they are like they are an original movie concept. Other than Marvel, we do not have tentpole movies that are je- that that especially none that are just based on movies. They can do whatever they want. They don't have to adhere to source material. Everything else is based on something fails due to the expectations. Every time you walk in this theater, and I always see one of these movies week one, it is a constant surprise and the most live and loud and just just the best crowd you could ever be around. Yeah. Always see I it. I feel like they, they, they figured it out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's spectacle. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. crazy spectacle. You constantly go like, oh my God, how did they do that? And I think I think this That's movie and I, I I didn't do too much research into it because it, it it hurt the production a lot and extended it for months. But the interpretation was like people hate CG. We're going to do all practical stunts, and it shows. It is fucking insane. The stuff mm-hmm. that happens in this movie, it's like, what do you want from a movie? Something you have never imagined brought about on screen in a, in a manner you could never afford or conjure in your head. This does this like at le- like at least five times during the film, and then it culminates. Yeah. In a bank heist that involves two super shards like Dodge Challengers dragging a bank vault through the streets of Brazil. Uh-huh. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> Throw, like dragging it through a lobby of a building. It- like <laughs> with just, all right, I guess that building, all the load bearing columns are out. It's, Good luck, guys. It's so wonderful. And at this point, you know, Vin Diesel isn't bringing down parking garages by stomping his foot. It's just like, holy shit, the destruction and devastation. Be. This yeah. is insane. Yeah. yeah. I well, he a... gets he gets in a fight. Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson have a fight that it's Ooh, like wonderful. It's like two shaved gorillas, man. They are so fucking jacked, yeah. <laughs> and they're just punching yeah. through walls. I mean, it really does look like two fuck. two tan dicks going at one another. It is it's fucking Good wonderful. Lord, <laughs> it's true. but it's this true. whole thing is just. It's such it, yes, of course it's stupid. It's fun, stupid. It is. Yes! It is the literal definition of movie magic at its best. So if you shit yeah. on these movies, you don't understand why you ever like Jaws or ET mm-hmm. or Starship Troopers. <laughs> that is the mm-hmm. order of best films ever made. I will not compromise. Of course, of course. Uh, but, Jaws number one. We but, all agree. Yeah. Fast Five. But, like I, I, I think I tried 
well, maybe with Sarah, like watch the trailers, read the synopsises for what happened in the previous mm-hmm. films and start with Fast Five. These mm-hmm. are spies who shoot cars instead of guns. Almost never have a gun. <laughs> they almost never have guns and they get in really that dangerous situations. And they well, drop. there's a lot of guns in this one, actually. I mean, but not from our heroes, usually. No, no, okay. Mm-hmm. The, the, that br- that, that favela one. sequence, by the way, which I was, I went to a, a wedding in Puerto Rico and they're like, this is all the fast five, like where it was shot. And it's like, they, they CG'd everything on it. It was, I was fat. They, they put $27 million in Puerto Rico's pocket for the Brazil sequences. Wow. Um, the, the money yeah. shows up Except on Except for, they did a little bit of shooting in Brazil and apparently like, that's that was the big controversy is brazil was not happy with how they were depicted of just like it's just lawlessness and women's asses in yeah. our entire country <laughs> yeah and of, and of course you know, uh hugging hugging jesus <laughs> we, we twirl around that for a second it's hugging true. jesus you have to and, th- this required. movie is phenomenal and like b- bearing in mind what i just said i've always wanted to like create a fucking college clash on, on how to appreciate this series it is <laughs> Everything you get is an adaptation of something, a remake. This is an original movie franchise that is utilizing the medium mostly in a popcorn way and the in the best fuck to its to the to the best you can do something like that. It should it deserves credit and more people should get into it cuz they are so much fun. And if you've never been there with a live crowd, I know we all miss movie theaters and I'm glad they waited. Otherwise, I have a feeling we would have written had I would have been writing a Fast 9 Oscar sketch this week instead of goddamn Minari. Um, <laughs> this would have been in there. I'm glad they waited for the theaters because I have never had more fun in theaters than with the Fast Crowd. Oh, so I good. can't wait then. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. Sam and I saw the trailer for this next one, which is nine, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw the trailer for that before we saw Nobody in the theater, which, by the way, was unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I cannot wait to see. Because I was a fast noob virgin until Hobbs and Shaw until I got to see my friend Roman Reigns in Hobbs (laughs) and Shaw and so then I came back and I was like all right I'm very into this I I think that's that's totally like if you saw just the first movie you wouldn't understand what the fuss is about because why would I want a sequel to these guys who ride around in rice burners and steal DVD players like this is a hundred million dollar heist in the fifth movie there was also a Impacto Profundo situation oh. because Gone in 60 Seconds also, I think, was released around the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think that caused mm-hmm. confusion for people. Me, maybe just me. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> so then, so I watched this half of this last night and then I had to go to sleep. And then I watched the rest of it today. At lunch? <laughs> nope. I watched the verdict come in on the Derek Chauvin trial. Oh, wow. <laughs> cried a bunch and then it's like okay i gotta put on fast five before i do this podcast <laughs> so it was a real fun afternoon it, for me it's a roller coaster man quite quite oh i'm telling you it's not it's not it's why i love talking about them like comic books because like i could say like man you really need to see the batman who laughs the recent batman but you don't have to go back and read every batman comic that ever exists you just need a light idea of what came before and so this to me is where the fast series becomes like a must watch you have to watch this you should all be watching this it is important to read a wiki but start here and for that reason alone and like i fell in love with it here whereas like i don't know if you heard Mine and Sarah's husband stories. We live with a guy who was a car guy, and he put like we watched Fast and the Furious like every night until like we had to make an agreement, like throw away the DVD. The dude would not stop watching. <laughs> I hate. I don't like that fucking movie anymore. Mm-hmm. And but uh, this 
this because of uh where it all started i've watched it the most it is like my new hope for whatever the <laughs> hell the series of fast will look like it is so good and i love yeah. plenty of moments and things about the 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 subsequent movies but you I love this movie. I'll, I watched it. Uh, I didn't watch all of it before this, but I'll probably go watch it when we're done. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It is just pure fun. It yeah. It's just fun. And, and you, you need that. I can't remember if we've said this already, but you don't have to be into cars to. No. This is transcended cars yeah. because I hate cars. Yeah. Which I never had to get <laughs> another car cars. for the rest of my life. Hate them. Not impressed by them at all. So I do think that this transcends that if that's something that's holding that, you that, back like oh i'm not a car person like i don't care yeah the it's opening, not about the cars the opening sequence alone of like oh, a, family a bunch of like sports cars attacking a train yeah is <laughs> absolutely thrilling to what, steal more sports cars yes it is so wonderful <laughs> and like so <laughs> this the it. scene of them standing on the hood and like this thing's about to go over a bridge let's jump before it hits the ground like i that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but Wiley Cody would have survived. Instant death. Yeah. Instant death. <laughs> they sure. never die except for one of the cast members. They don't even do. sprain an ankle. But they like, but like oh, yeah. they all yeah, they, they all worked out like mo- like even The Rock beefed up to be in this do that fight scene. And uh, uh Paul Walker worked his ass off. Apparently like a really, really hard worker on these films. I cannot say enough good things about Fast Five. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm done. You guys go ahead. Yeah. It is so good. And it's also when like um they officially like, man, fuck this title. And it was, yeah. it is, the, the, I think the legal title in America is Fast Five. The next movie is Furious Six. Oh, <laughs> and the eighth yeah. movie is The Fate of the Furious with an eight for the A. <laughs> it is it, like, they don't give a shit. It feels like comic books. I love it. No, I love it. They're, they're all vanity plates. Oh. <laughs> all the titles now are vanity plates. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Please see this movie. Given everything we've said, it is so much fun. You can figure it out. Um, yep. And the movies don't start non-prequelized until seven. <laughs> Three till <sighs> seven. They are all prequels. It's crazy. Anyway, shit. Do we have to move on? All I want to talk about is this shit. <sighs> oh, yeah, wait, we got to move on. That's a really we big We got some one, fun actually. TV. Says you, I've never seen this show. Well, pretty much everyone else. Most popular show Ooh. in the world, man. I know. It's a very popular show. The Voice. Um, I can only watch so many talent shows. Um, but The Voice. I have not, I've never seen The Voice. That's the NBC yep, no. one with the four chairs? Yep. Yeah, Voice US debuts 10 years ago, even though they, they do, I think, two seasons a year. So no, <laughs> there have been actually confusing. a lot of seasons of The Voice. Plus, there's The Voice UK, and everyone else has a voice somewhere and yeah what you want to see talented people show off their talent i got no problems with that i like it sure i'll just wait and see which one talented one rises to the top at the end Mm. yeah you can do that too whatever i'll treat it at best to me it's sports i'll watch the super bowl and i'll Ah, I'll watch all the cool commercials if this wasn't i don't know if this was set on a previous show i didn't do my due diligence the the show happy endings um debuted a few weeks ago and Just out of boredom, like I should have watched an episode of this beforehand. I was hopelessly addicted. That show is excellent, and it's so good. It's almost perfect. You will laugh out loud during every single episode. Yep. And this may turn into the Happy Endings podcast because I want to talk about all the episodes because they're all amazing and they're all hilarious. <laughs> and I just am so bad. I was watching this from day one, and nobody believed me. It's not no. Again, it's not that I be- I didn't believe you. They had no streaming options for this. 
if you didn't have cable or an antenna, you had no way to watch or record this, and it wouldn't stream on Hulu. And it, it didn't until for years, and now it is it is on Hulu and wherever the fuck ABC stuff streams. If you're in a different country, uh, Disney Star Plus or whatever that thing is, where you can watch Predator. But, but Happy Endings is one of the funniest, uniquely funniest shows that I've seen in a very long time, and I didn't get to say that before because it's rarely absurdist. Mm-hmm. It is very grounded, mm-hmm. um, and 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 it's funnier in a way no grounded show I have seen before is. Uh, it is charming it is better than friends in every way mm. love it and this Oop. episode that, that aired this week is called like father like gun yes. it's oh, <laughs> one of my favorite episodes one of the stars of the series is damon wayans jr and the in funniest dudes ep- characters alive that that it's so good oh my god he's so talented and in this episode his dad shows up for a visit and his dad played by his real dad damon wayans and and by the way is the funniest also hilarious i haven't seen him in anything this funny in a long time it is the funniest i've seen damon wayans senior in a very long time and i grew up obsessed with that dude in living color i was so happy with this episode (laughs) it's really good worth watching Also, too, I just have to say, this is an episode where the A, B, and C storylines are all equally fantastic and hilarious and could be, like, C and B and C storyline could be the A storyline. Like, that's how they're just all equally good because the other storylines that are going on is Penny starts dating an Italian person who she cannot understand Italian unless she gets drunk. So she has to be drunk basically (laughs) while they're together at all times. And then the other storyline is that Dave and Max basically turn their entire apartment into a Nerf dart gun airsoft paintball course, basically. Like it's (laughs) just also, I do have to say that I'm now going back and rewatching the episodes again after a couple of years. And wow. I am Penny <laughs> so much. Like. Res- she said that over text. I'm like, you wish. And, and you sounded genuinely offended that I disagreed with you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, I'm just offended because that's dumb. I am 100% Penny. <laughs> Look at this. I can, I can hold this over for her forever. Watch this friendship blossom. It's going to be great. Uh. <laughs> it, I, I loved Happy Endings. We started it, sadly, the night after we talked about it in 302010. And uh, my girl wrapped it up. So I'm going to have to like go back and refill the episodes I missed. It's not very long, 20-minute episodes. Hulu, uh, if you have the no commercial option, which it forced me to pay for because I don't I don't All want right. Ozempic. I just don't. And sorry. <laughs> okay. I promise I will start it now because you, I did end up going down a weird rabbit hole of rewatching the first season of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and playing a game of what happened to that guy? Like, mm, oh, that was the introduction to that character. I think he got blown up. Yeah. And that guy got blown up. Yeah. That guy got shanked. That guy got that stabbed guy, by a ghost. I think but he that got one guy <laughs> married Lisa Bonet. So, yeah, there you go. It's not yeah, all that bad. guy married Lisa Bonet. <laughs> Yeah, again, yeah. My, my boy Hot Pie. I know that's who you're talking about. And <laughs> it, shout out to Hot Pie always. And uh, this is a huge moment in television. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to bring it in with a joke because I know it affected me when it happened. And I saw it recently. It affected me. And I watched this YouTube clip and it affected me. And I have to imagine a lot of our audience will know exactly what's happening on NBC at nine o'clock right now with uh, the episode Goodbye, Michael Scott. People that you work with are just. When you get down to it, you are very best friends. They say on your deathbed, you never wish you spent more time at the office. But I will. Gotta be a lot better than a deathbed. 
I actually don't understand deathbeds. I mean, who would buy that? <laughs> such a stupidly sweet uh, sentiment from a stupidly sweet man. I, I, I love standing here in, in, in 2021. I was a, such a massive fan of the um, original British office that I didn't think it would I would ever get on board with this. And it took me about two seasons and... It's great to see The Office a lot. It's on TV a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have streaming cable like I do, yeah, it's also one of my like favorite things whole... about staying in a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> is that you can yeah. turn on the TV and watch The Office anytime you want to, because it's always on yeah. cable. <laughs> I feel like a whole. It seems like Generation Z has just suddenly adopted The Office because there are all these people that's like, yeah, Michael Scott or you know Steve Carell left The Office ten years ago. So there are all these like twenty year olds, and it's like their favorite show ever. And it's like, but you were like seven when this started, and they're like, I, they they've just it's like I don't have a, I love that I love when shows find audiences years and years later. I don't oh, I don't yeah. have a good articulate way to express why I just I, like I was born I, I I had my one of my like my fifth job in the 90s was like I had my own office I'm 15 um and I had a door and just like this is so boring I'll never do this again I'm gonna go to California and do something fucking cool and I, I sort of did but my first job is basically where I met a generation of best friends and uh the office is a really good way to look at <laughs> inevitable mundanity and people who make the best of it and I, I've never seen a show where people are like surrounded by flawed people and all find ways to coach and accept them. And I, I feel like that was pretty new. We were coming off the Seinfeld era with like, good luck with all that. Yeah. Uh, and like, <laughs> there, there's something very hopeful about The Office, especially mm-hmm. when like, yeah, I might end up working at a paper company for the rest of my life. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. It, it, it has a very hopeful attitude mixed with the kind of nihilism I had when I was a teenager. So I see why, I, I feel like I see why millennials grabbed onto that. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I'm, I'm not that articulate about it, but like uh, this episode in particular, I don't, I, I, I honestly, I, I meant to do more research on it. I couldn't remember when did they really start acknowledging it was a documentary because that moment where he like takes his microphone off and you just hear, you hear the microphone being pulled from his chest and you realize Steve Carell is never going to talk to you again. And, and then leads into the moment where he mm-hmm. whispers something in Pam's ear, ear which we mm-hmm. still, to this day, is left ambiguous. A lost in translation situation. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. I think she said like what Steve Carell said, but he wasn't talking as Michael Scott because nothing was supposed to be said. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not surprised that this has had a resurgence, especially with the younger generation, because that is a generation of people who are looking to start in the workforce. Yeah. And for better or for worse, the way our system is set up you spend more time with your co-workers yep. probably than you do with your loved ones people you yeah. actually love mm-hmm. you choose to spend the rest of your life with it's most of the time people are spending more hours waking hours with people that they don't necessarily love and certainly didn't choose to be around all the time and the office does such a good job of walking that line of putting up with people that you work with Versus loving them, versus falling in love with them, versus, you know, becoming best friends, becoming frenemies. Like all these relationships happen all the time in offices. And it does such a good job of putting it all just in one open floor plan office. (laughs) 
and capturing all the archetypes of people and personality types of people that you see in the office. And I mean, God forbid you have a Michael Scott as a boss. I know that I had one one time and it is unpleasant (laughs) 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 when you have to deal with the real incompetence in that way, who also is a person in charge of like, look, I've never been anybody's boss. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Yes, I am sub podcasting you. <laughs> it's like sub tweeting, except for I'm saying it into a microphone. <laughs> but yeah, I just The Office is kind of a perfect sitcom. Like it just yeah. it's it has good seasons and bad seasons certainly. But I don't think the bad seasons are as bad as people say that. Me neither. That they are. Me neither. I, I do think this is an, yep. an end of an era, and he was he was the rock that you know, this show centered around and it changed, but there's so many funny moments that occur after that, that I'm glad it's, mm-hmm. so, I'm glad it kept going. Mm. So I, I mean, yeah. if he hadn't left, we would never have Robert California. One of my favorite characters in television history. <laughs> D'Angelo or, uh, uh, what's that British lady's name? It just any of that. Stuff. Oh, right. Catherine Tate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Kathy Bates. It's all these, all these, <laughs> th- there is something fascinating about, the gravitas they brought into the office to counterbalance the lack of Steve Carell. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we're mm-hmm. just getting like fucking Oscar winners here to like <laughs> million dollar actors because Steve Carell's presence is missed so much. So like, I, I do yeah. think there's something fascinating about the last two seasons. But and, this- I mean, it's it's kind of hard to imagine a television universe where Steve Carell isn't a huge star, which yeah. he was relatively unknown when he started on The Office. I mean, unless you were watching The Daily Show. Yeah. But a ton of people weren't watching The Daily Show. And even Mm -hmm. if they were, they were like, oh, yeah, that random guy, he's now on a sitcom. I I remember talking to my my friend who uh, loved the British office as much as I did. And like, this is a bad idea. And like, they just put Carell from Daily Show. And like, oh, God. And they they put, (laughs) you know, the guy who's fucking Ruth on Six Feet Under? Like, yeah. Who likes to watch Silent Running? He's going to be the Gareth character. And like, what? that was Dwight what? on six feet under. It is oh, who like, yeah. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god! And we're like, wow, okay. Like he's he would be a really good Gareth. And like we all slowly got on board with the casting. And uh, like what the Office, we don't need to tell you that the Office is great, but um, yeah, it's true. It, it's just nice that I was I was watching this arc last uh, two weeks ago, and I was watching the arc where Michael starts his own paper company last night. And it's like it's still transfixing mm-hmm. and beautiful, and I I like mm-hmm. it so much. Love love Steve Carell, and we recently started. Rewatching Space Force, which is an underrated gem. True. Uh, say, eh, watch it again. Like, what the character yeah. he's doing is really awesome. The same. Oh, I thought he was great on it. Okay. I just thought the whole thing made me go, eh. Uh, mm. uh, you know what's going to make you go, eh? The video games of 2011, uh, April 23rd through the 29th. Man vs. Wild has a game. What could go Ooh. wrong in this game that's hastily put together and probably doesn't have a lot of endgame scenarios? <laughs> so... You're going to be drinking your own pee, that's for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Outland is a game that's out, and you can finally play as Opus and Bill the Cat. Sorry, that's an obscure comic reference. It is neither... Can you play as Sean Connery or Peter Boyle? Yeah. That's an obscure sci-fi <laughs> got, yeah, reference. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, it is a weird 2D side-scroller involving blue and red powers, and I remember I, I played this whole thing listening to the Tron Legacy soundtrack. And it's one of the best times I've ever had. And the silliest way EA Maxis got a little more life out of the game Spore, what was supposed to be the, the second coming of SimCity from Will Wright, Dark Spore. <laughs> Dark Spore <laughs> okay. is out. And I know, I don't have any personal memories about that, but like that's why we have Mr. Diana Goodman, Wiki Parez to tell us more about Dark Spore on uh, patreon.com slash laser time, uh, where... Executive producers like Stephen Rowland help keep the show going. 
patreon.com slash laser time lows five bucks uh we'll give you a bunch of extra stuff over 100 movie commentaries more to come i'm really trying to get matt to do toy soldiers because i know sam would do it immediately and so would i even though he just watched we both just watched it mm-hmm. i love toy soldiers <laughs> and diana where can people find you they can find me on the twitter at listening nerd l-e-c-i-n-e-n-e-r-d or follow the show at 302010 podcast 302010 podcast and oh lord promoting next week we got all kinds of stuff we have one of the best episodes of television of all time and we have one of the best cartoons of the last 10 years debuting we have one of the best episodes of community part one Oh my god, speaking of Justin Lin, he's not back this time though. This guy is network TV good looking. (laughs) And we've got, I think, the biggest gamble that Marvel takes, which is doing Shakespeare in space. Let's see if the audience comes with. I hired the right guy. It's very strange. And I'll never watch it again. It is. I'm going to rewatch it because I haven't seen it in 10 years. But I remember thinking, you're making a movie out of what? And then I look up pictures of the comic and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me we got some blonde himbo on a rainbow bridge what the fuck i still can't believe they and i loved it (laughs) oh my god oh my god and uh, oh oh, and and by the way like everyone here especially diana thank you so much diana for your at least i do not know how long we've done the show your 10th oscar show oscar time for laser time where we've watched all the oscar movies so you don't have to and written sketches under a deadline with <laughs> with in my case minimal talent and uh in some cases we're not going to play black people or asian people so <laughs> so yep those conditions it was one it was a really fun time uh in my opinion thank you tony from framework for joining us uh love love tony check out his youtube channel framework uh oscar times really fun this year well for a lot of bummer movies we had a good time i thought yeah, so. i thought so too and my biggest plug get vaxxed it is officially yeah. open for everybody. If you're under 16, you are not listening to this at all. But if you're over 16, do what you can to get vaxxed. It is the safest thing you could do for your those around you. Do not give a flip about people older than you who don't have the vaccine yet. They're just not going to do it, more than likely. Mm-hmm. And I came mm-hmm. to that decision a month ago, and I, I'm almost free to, as I said on Instagram... I'm almost available for open mouth kisses and shrimp bangers at Applebee's to complete Hell strangers. yeah. I will share them both. Can I wait? Share them both. Before we do all that, we tell you who died during this period of 302010, April 23rd to the 29th, and who lived. Who died, died. Nobody. What? What? I got no famous deaths this week. I'm not going to shuffling off this mortal coil on Steve Carell's last episode and when David <laughs> Waynes comes on happy and inside <laughs> one more week for old man McGillicuddy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but, but uh, to balance that, who was born? Where we we give a quiz that lately I've trounced Sarah. <laughs> Trouncing? I what is happening? Is yeah. this a side effect to the vaccine? I think so. <laughs> Sarah was deeply <laughs> vaxxed the last show she did. It was so vaxxed the last time. I was hanging by a thread, y'all. <laughs> oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. I did not know where to start with this person. This is an interesting, interesting person. Turning 87. Born April 24th, 1934 in Richmond, Virginia. She played baseball in an all-boys team and held the record for most home runs. Gina Davis. 
She is not 87. She's not She's not 87. But that's a fun guess. Uh, also, she loved ballet, but she was too tall to be a ballerina, so she tried other musical theater instead. Gina Davis. No, no. Nope. All right. It's still working, but no. <laughs> In 1955, she made her film debut in a movie directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Since then, she has worked with everybody. Vincent Minnelli, Billy Wilder, Bob Fosse, Hal Ashby, James L. Brooks, Just Mike Nichols, Richard Linkletter. Um, Natalie Protman? Is she 87? Jesus, not even, yeah, maybe halfway, but no, no. Th- that was Sarah's guess. She was signing it to me. I've I- watched a lot of Sound of Metal, I can see. Okay, movies of hers we have talked about on this show. Valentine's Day, A Smile Like Yours, and The Evening Star. Shirley MacLaine? It is Shirley MacLaine! Ah! Well done! You remembered the sequel to Terms of Endearment. Yeah, being born a little too late just took a giant dump on your face, Sarah! Oh, also, Mrs. Winterborn, these old broads, Madame Suzatska, steal Magnolia's postcards from the edge and defending your life. Did, did, did she have Can a, I read that list again yeah, of directors please. she has worked with? Ooh, Vincent wow. Minnelli, Billy Wilder, Bob Fosse, Hal Ashby, James L. Brooks, Mike Nichols, and Richard Linkletter. Whoever... When Richard Linkletter is the loser in the group. <laughs> oh, that movie Girl. is. Is that Bernie? Bernie yeah, is great. Yeah, we're talking about Bernie soon. Bernie is great. <gasps> oh, my God. I love that movie. <laughs> It's really good. Probably one of uh, Jack Jack Black's most timeless performances. Comedy Agreed. comes and goes, but that, that movie is fantastic. Um, oh my god, that movie's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, Shirley MacLaine, one of one of the few stars of the fifties we still have. That's crazy. <laughs> I love her so much. Good for her. I don't want her to reincarnate. I want her to stay. And that is about it for the show. And Diana has punish you by choosing to go out with Michael Bolton. Love is a wonderful thing. I'm, I'm going to try and like, I've never heard this song. Is it like love is a wonderful thing? Or like, no, here's the, is a wonderful here, okay, here's the thing, because I saw that, that Michael Bolton album came out in 91, and I know it was a fucking huge album, and I was like, something made it to number one. I'm looking at the track list, and I thought, oh, love is a wonderful thing. That's a fun song. Did it make it to number one? No, but his cover of When a Man Loves a Woman does, mm. and that cover is one of the worst covers mm. ever. But this song's actually fun. If, I'm angry. If not for that song, Jim Carrey wouldn't have been on in Living Color, and his head exploded at the very end. <laughs> when a man cover very good. sucks. This song's fun. It's got like a choir in it. Mm-hmm. Well, Jumpy. Lo- love is a wonderful thing. So is getting vaxxed. So is going to patreon.com slash laser time. I never thought I'd say this, but Michael Bolton, take us out. Love is a wonderful thing. Take a smile through.